Empty Frames is an independent production. The commentary expressed here is our own and does not reflect the opinions of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum or its staff. To learn more about the museum, including the 1990 theft, please visit the museum's website at www.isgm.org. If you have any critical information relating specifically to the 1990 theft, please contact the museum's security director via the options provided on the museum's website. The museum continues to offer a reward totaling $10 million for information that can lead to the return of the stolen artwork. We are bothered by the loss the art world suffered in 1990, and we are not content with the status quo. One stolen painting to note is from Manet, a French artist who created Che Tortoni, circa 1880. It's an elegant depiction of a man sketching a half-consumed beer on the table as he calmly looks at his audience. We started this podcast to raise awareness of the theft and to show our support for the ongoing recovery efforts. While those recovery efforts progress as they do daily, we encourage our listeners to visit the museum, to appreciate its incredible collection, both past and present, and to donate directly to the museum through its website. Again, if you enjoy this podcast and you feel as we do about the missing artwork, the most productive way for you to express your view is to donate directly to the Gardner Museum via its website. Go to isgm.org and look for the Join and Give tab, where there are options to make a donation of any size to support the museum's mission. Please donate today. And when you do, let us know on Twitter so we can personally thank you there. Thanks again. On March 18, 1990, the most audacious art heist of all time took place at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Two men dressed as police officers were admitted into the building by security, claiming to be responding to a disturbance call. In 81 minutes, 13 pieces of art were stolen. Among the portraits stripped from their frames were works by Vermeer, Degas, and Rembrandt. Estimated at half a billion dollars, the heist has been categorized as the largest and most frustrating of all time. Theories of their whereabouts and those who perpetrated the crime are abundant. In this podcast series, we will dig as deep as possible into the case, the theories, and the social and economic impact the greatest unsolved art heist of all time had on the community. This is Empty Frames, a heist story. Welcome back to Empty Frames. I'm Tim, here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios. How's it going, Lance? It's going very well. How are you today? I'm doing great. We are here in episode 12 of Empty Frames, and I don't know if you know this, but we only have one left in the season. 12 out of 13. That's right. 13 stolen pieces of artwork, 13 episodes of Empty Frames season one. Yep. See what we did there. As we've done with other cases that we've covered, we tend to have a recap episode or a reset button, and we wanted to do that with empty frames. And the way we're about to do it now is a really dynamic and fun way to recap all of the details. Well, it was Mr. K's idea, and he he really loves sports, and he was inspired by the NBA draft, and he said, why don't we do a draft on empty frames? Talking about the likely thieves, art location, other categories like that. 
we had been speaking with him and we knew that we had to before the season finished we had to do a recap episode and this was right at the height of where's LeBron James gonna go and I think Mr. K had some theories of his own and you know we were going back and forth with emails on that and I think that's what inspired him to do this. So before we get to that and we'll lay out all the categories from the draft in just a minute but we want to urge you and ask you to sign and share a petition that we just launched. Change.org it's inspired by Paul Turbo Hendry. He was our last guest and he had a way to bring the art back to the Isabella Stewart Gardening Museum and his technique and his his theory is that if you break out the art pieces and assign a value and a reward to each one and you lose the in good condition stipulation that's currently a part of the return then you're more likely to get the art returned back no questions asked with immunity for any crime related to the uh, the heist itself and turbo is a former art thief so he actually has some working knowledge of what might inspire the thieves or the people who own the art currently or have the art currently to return it. We need to get to 100 signatures on change.org before that can hit the desk of Mayor Marty Walsh, the mayor of the fine city of Boston. It's Marty Walsh. Gotcha. Let's bring home the stolen Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum art, A New Approach. Okay, great. So check that out. Link is in the show notes. And just give a signature. It doesn't cost any, and you might actually contribute to this 28-year-old mystery. Okay, so let's get into this draft, Lance. The first category here, and we'll, we'll stick in this category, and then me and you will decide our number one draft pick from each category. We'll lay them out for the audience together, discuss them, but then we'll choose one. This makes sense. Okay, so the first category is likely thieves. And the first option to draft is Ricefelder and Turner. Second option is Ricefelder and Demusio. Third is Bobby Donati and David Houghton. Fourth option is the construction crew from our episode entitled Security Breach. And that was from Marge Gallus, who worked at the Gardener, when she said that there was a construction uh, worker who snuck into the security room behind her desk. Fifth option is IRA members, Irish Republic Army. And sixth option is other. So where's your head at, Lance? All right, this is very good stuff. The gut here, even though you asked me where my head is at, the gut I got to go with first. And my gut, my gut leans to other, really, after listening to Art Brand and listening to Turbo basically say, why are we concerned with uh, who the thieves are? We should be more concerned with getting the art back. So that's where my gut goes with with the other. Like, does, does that piece matter? But for the sake of the draft itself, I'm leaning to IRA members. Interesting. Yeah, I was definitely going to call you out on the other if you uh, went with that as a cop-out answer. It does seem a bit cop-out. What about you? Where's your uh, where's your gut and head going? Well, let me break these down real quick. So Ricefelder Demusia would be we believe what the FBI thinks, and they've not quite said as much, but reading between the lines, you pretty much end up there with Ricefelder Demusia being the FBI's choice for the two thieves. And if you've read The Gardner Heist by Ulrich Boser, you will know that he sort of fingered David Turner as one of the people that he thought was a thief. What I know about David Turner is this. He will go down, I believe, in Boston history alongside other really remarkable criminals, right? So like the Boston Strangler, Whitey Bulger. I mean, he's at, at that level of, of theft. So. 
So are you leaning towards Reisfelder Turner here as your pick? No, actually. I think I'm going to go different. Now, I, I would love to go with the construction crew that Marge Gallus uh, laid out for us, but I just don't know if there's any further you can take that, if you really believe that that was them. You know, you kind of die alone on that island, I feel like, because we don't know who those people are. That's interesting. I was actually just about to switch mine from IRA members to the construction crew because are we talking about the thieves that actually did the heist itself? The two individuals that tied up Rick Abbott and took the other security guard down to the basement? Are we talking about somebody who maybe had been involved right from the planning stages in the beginning? And if we're thinking about it like that, like likely thieves as a syndicate, then that construction crew guy could very well be somebody who slipped in and out. The guy got into the office anyhow, so I had to call one of the supervisors on duty that day because he just wouldn't listen to me. He went into the office, he closed the door. He was in there for a while doing who knows what. That's where, at that time, I'm, and this isn't any new information for you, that's where all of the uh, recording devices for the tapes were, were kept. I mean, I do agree with that. I just don't think that we can responsibly choose that and have it not be a cop-out because, again, we don't know who it is. To me, we have to go with one of these uh, couples here, and I'm going to choose Bobby Donati and David Houghton because Jenny Seiler and Miles Connor in their book, Art of the Heist, Miles Connor says that David Houghton came to visit him, told him that they pulled off the Gardner heist. He also says that he cased the joint with Bobby Donati at one point, and the Eagle Finial was going to be Bobby Donati's calling card, and the Eagle Finial, of course, was missing. Very reputable account on him saying those those words specifically. Right. Maybe all of these people are involved, for all we know. I don't know, but... I think those two guys are the two that I would feel most confident in saying I think were involved. So you would supersede the FBI's... Well, I don't know what the FBI knows. So based on what I know sitting here right now in the Crawl Space Studios, I would go with Donati Houghton. And we do know, based on what Paul uh, Turbo had told us, he he never criticized the FBI or the museum, but he did say they put out information as they see fit, and it's no... Actually, everyone said that. It's, you know, it, that's just how it's... It's done. So perhaps the combination of Reisfelder and Demusio, perhaps that was a, a technique to smoke out other individuals. Maybe, but the FBI never actually said they thought it was Reisfelder and Demusio. They said that they thought that the thieves were dead and they thought that they identified them. Um, so we kind of read between the lines to get those two names. So wh where are you willing to go? Let's compromise here. Give me a Donati Houghton. During this discussion, I don't think that there's been anything presented to me that would make any more or less sense than Donati and Houghton. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. All right. So the next category that we have on this draft board is titled as Tech Wish List, Then or Now. First item is high-resolution video. Second item is ground-penetrating radar. Third item is drones. Fourth item, motion detector data. Next one, social media and the last one, this is the wild card, Time Machine. Now, I would love to go Time Machine, but I imagine, as all Time Machines from books and television and movies, it might not work properly. Is that is that what I'm to gather here? I'm thinking that there's a big gray area when it comes to Time Machines. Because it would be too easy if it was just a properly working Time Machine. You just choose that, that you just draft that, that person, that player, and then we're done here. Plug in the date. 
plug in the time, and theoretically, you show up in that location. So you pop out of your phone booth, that's the time machine. Or DeLorean. Or DeLorean. You could pop out of your DeLorean, and you're you're there on Palace Road, right there at the door where the thieves entered. Right. What's to say that you're going to get to that location? What's to say you're going to even get back? Nothing. So I would say I'd love to choose that one, but realistically, kind of can't. Now, motion detector data is pretty interesting. I take it that means the path that the thieves took the night of the heist. We have always been confused with the motion detector data. There have been seemingly some inconsistencies uh, with this. Like, we don't have the full view. So maybe with the full view, we'd have a better idea. I'm with you on that. And looking at the others here, drone, ground-penetrating radar, and high-resolution video. I feel like ground-penetrating radar might be something that wouldn't be so much of a wish list. That's pretty attainable. That is a reality. I'm not sure what the drones would do that would be such an advantage. Chase the thieves. You take that with your uh, time machine, take the drone into the time machine. Yeah, really freak them out. Yep. High resolution video. Um, Perhaps if we had high resolution video, we could fully uh, distinguish who the individual was in the night before video. Right. Even if that was the case, I don't know what good that would do us. That would be any better than the motion detector data. So I think that's true. That's where I'm going to go. I think he might be right there because with the high res video, even if it wasn't Larry O'Brien who worked at the Gardner, who we thought uh, it might be based on what Marge told us. Although the video was grainy and old, I was, I'll say, 99% certain it was the the security supervisor uh, that had been on duty, you know, earlier that evening. You know, we don't know who it would be. So, yeah, it's pretty useless information to us, even if we had a full picture of him. Even if it was Larry O'Brien, who is no longer with us. Right. So we wouldn't even be able to speak to him directly. The motion detector data sort of reminds me of an eyewitness account that happened that very night that is as accurate if not more accurate than a human being. Definitely would be, uh, you would think, if the data is accurate. And when, what about social media? Now, that's kind of the attempt we've already tried here, right, with the podcast and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And change.org. Right. I think the social media is just always out there. Again, that might fall under the category of ground-penetrating radar, where it's, it's, it's already very attainable. Okay, so motion detector data seems like the most tangible thing to grab a hold of. Yeah, I'm going with that. All right, I'm with you. Great. Category number three is art location. First option being Massachusetts, of course, the place of the heist. Second being Connecticut. Third being the state of Maine. Fourth option being the country of Ireland. Fifth option being Holland. And the sixth option being Dr. No's secret lair. This is an interesting one because we keep talking about whether or not the 13 pieces are together or if they've been separated and passed through many hands for different reasons. Are we saying that all of them are there or just one? At least one. I would say at least one. Okay. I think you and I both agree that there is a better than 0% chance that there is a Dr. No type out there. Yeah, based on the past interviews that we've had, and everyone was saying that there's no Dr. No because it just seems like a sort of fantastic idea that, you know, it's just a character from a, a James Bond movie, and it's made up and it's fictional, but as we know, there are people, from speaking with uh, Turbo, there are people who have a lot of wealth and have had stolen artworks on their wall it's one of those things that they keep the lid on but when you get up into those industrialist 
circles of billionaires. They like to get their rocks off with drugs, the finest women, the biggest yachts. And when they've done all of that, a little bit of stolen art. So if you want to say that a person like that is is sort of a doctor, no. You know, it doesn't have to be somebody on some island that they own. Some supervillain twiddling their mustache. Sitting in a dimly lit room with a giant fireplace staring at their, their Che Tortoni. So I think that's a pretty good option, even though it kind of leaves us again in this zone where we have nowhere to go with this. We don't know who the person is. We don't even know where the secret lair would be. There's kind of no further you can take it. Now, these three states here listed, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Maine, are all states in the New England region that are all close to us and have all been searched at least once that we know of. And, of course, Massachusetts being the place of the heist, I think that's where I would lean, just assuming that because the heist took place here, maybe one of these 13 pieces didn't leave the state ever. If you're just playing odds, the odds of it being Massachusetts for just one are, I'd say, significantly greater than the other two states or even Ireland or Holland. Pretty much anything else you can come up with, I think. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go to Ireland or Holland to hang out with Arthur Brand, and maybe we could follow up on some leads there. Then we were contacted by quite a renowned former IRA member who said, well, if you do us a favor, we might help you to recover these paintings. Because indeed, there are a lot of rumors within our group that the paintings have been shipped to Ireland. You know, you can always do that in the state that the crime occurred and have a much larger chance of using some ground penetrating radar at a particular person of interest's home buried or something. Okay, so are we in agreement with Massachusetts there? I think we're in agreement with Massachusetts. Okay, good. On to the fourth category. So here we have our choice for an expert guide. These are all individuals who have contributed to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist investigation and follow-up. First one here is Anthony Amore. We know Anthony Amore as the head of security at the Gardner Museum. Turbo Paul, he is the firewall between art thieves and law enforcement. Anne Hawley was the former curator of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Arthur Brand, we all know him, the Indiana Jones of the art theft world. Stephen Kirkjian, he is a reporter who has written books and articles on the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. And uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner herself. Okay, expert guide. Well, let's take a look at these realistically now. I would say that as much as I would love to hang out with Isabella Stewart Gardner herself, and I know the motivation to get the artwork back would be there with her, I just can't really see her helping as far as who, you know, knowing who would have done it, knowing where to start with an investigation, etc., etc., I think it would be fun to get her together with our guest from uh, from the episode featuring Liz Lenz, uh, the scandalous legacy of Isabella Stewart Gardner. So I think it would be fun to hang out with Liz Lenz and Isabella Stewart Gardner and have some champagne and donuts in celebration of getting the artwork back. This whole building, this whole art museum is her. It's her story. It's like if she wrote a memoir. And the art heist, and I know you've talked about this, but it's so different than other art heists because the art was just ripped out of the frames, which is really violent. And if you think about 
how, again, this is an expression of a woman through time. It's almost like walking inside a ghost. It feels like walking inside that museum. And as much as I would love to go with Turbo Paul, we we have worked with him to the point where he has sort of been our expert guide and he's given us a plan already. And his plan is sort of unfurled. It's kind of more a passive plan. Put this out there and see what happens and then regroup. Yes, this is not if you needed a guide to take you door to door and talk to people. Uh, Paul would be great. I personally don't think I would be able to keep up with him. I think he just operates on a much higher frequency than I do. And his energies have been put towards the change.org. So that has been accomplished. So I think leaning away from Paul and more towards someone like Arthur Brand might be a little bit more uh, my speed. Arthur Brand would be really interesting because I imagine we'd be going overseas and and talking with him. And uh, now I believe he... Well, actually, he's told the Boston media as much in in 2017 that he is working on a new lead. He uh, seems to believe he knows where at least a piece of the artwork is, and he uh, sort of was urging someone on our airwaves to return it. I think if you kind of read between the lines, it kind of seemed like that. If somebody is listening, an old lady, an old man, if you know something, please contact me, contact you guys. We protect your identity, but... Even if the paintings do not exist anymore, tell us the story because so much money is lost with all these investigations. The FBI is still searching for it. So I think that would be interesting if he's willing to show all his cards. Steve Kirchin, I think, would be an excellent guide. He, of course, wrote the uh, hit book Master Thieves, which is about the gardner heist and then you have Anne holly she she could really contribute a lot as far as the artwork itself she was very well versed with that artwork and she did an excellent job during her tenure in maintaining the museum if you look at odds much like the massachusetts choice who has the most information out of all of these people at this point I think it's Anthony Amore. He has been the director of security at the Gardner for quite some time now and has developed a database of information. Works hand-in-hand with the FBI. And as uh, Mr. K kind of mentioned us uh, before we started recording, that Anthony Amore is a five-tool player. I think he's kind of the only choice here. So you could go with someone like Bo Jackson or you could go with someone like Mike Greenwell. That's right. We just gave Mike Greenwell a nod. Empty Frames, episode 12. Okay, so I think we're in agreement there that the answer is Anthony Amore. Double A. Vote Amore in 2018. Okay, podcast player coach is the next category. And this is kind of a fun one, kind of a creative one. The first option is Adam Carolla. Second option is Sarah Koenig of Serial. The third option is Malcolm Gladwell of Revisionist History. Fourth option is Payne Lindsay of Atlanta Monster and Up and Vanished. Fifth option is Bill Simmons of the Bill Simmons Podcast. And the sixth option is Nancy Grace herself from Crime Online. So this is an interesting one. We actually know two of these people, which is kind of cool. But how come we're not on this list? I think the intention that Mr. K had with this list is that we were sort of the GMs. And if we needed, say, a, uh, a coach for the team or a bench coach, this is, what we're, uh, this is what we're talking about here. I like the idea of Bill Simmons because he is a local guy from Boston, and he's got incredible reach. He does have an, an amazing network, his podcast network. You have that, and you have the local element to it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Sarah Koenig here, because that's somebody who not only did the podcast, but was a 
knocking on doors, boots on the ground type person. And that maybe that's something that's needed when we're talking about this podcast player coach. Maybe I, I could see that. Um, she does sort of have have this following, this investigative journalist podcast following, which is kind of what we're trying to do here. It's an interesting option. It's similar to Payne Lindsay in a way. Also, the reach there is is pretty significant, so we could get the word out to a lot of people. Malcolm Gladwell is tough to tough to argue with with him and his popularity. Of course, he's written uh, many great books and he does his own podcast now. Adam Carolla, same thing, has a very popular podcast, but not an investigator. So when you look at all of these, and if you want to say the the first condition in selecting one of these would be reach. What are we talking as far as reach? Do they all have the same reach, uh, or do we have some significant differences? I think there's some significant differences there. I, I think Bill Simmons leads the pack. He when you're talking about reach. I know Adam Carolla is very popular. He's been on the radio. He has a, a podcast. But again, Bill Simmons is from Boston. He loves heists. He's always talking about the Fast and the Furious movies, which are now kind of heist movies and not car movies. He podcasts like a madman. He Like a couple times a week, at least, he's out there. He's got almost 6 million Twitter followers, and, and that leads everybody else in this category by a considerable amount. Okay, so if the next consideration that we should look at is investigative uh, capabilities, I mean, we got Nancy Grace. She is a legendary investigator. She is a legendary voice for justice. Friend of the show. And a, fr- and a friend of the show. Not so much this show, but friend of us. Friend of Crawl Space Studios. The top runners for investigative qualities would be Sarah Koenig, Payne Lindsay, and Nancy Grace. And the other three are kind of more pop culture, uh, some sports being Adam Carolla, Malcolm Gladwell, and Bill Simmons. But ultimately, I think Simmons' reach is far beyond uh, that of anyone else, and I think he gets the nod here for me. I I think I'm going to agree with you because of that local connection, because he does have an interest in local issues and heists themselves, and that outweighs the official investigative qualities of the others. He could get Mayor Marty Walsh on the phone in a heartbeat if he wanted to. He totally could, Mark Wahlberg. I think Bill Simmons is the obvious choice here, yeah. As much as I like all these other people, I really love their work, and we know Nancy Grace and Payne Lindsay personally, but uh, I think Bill Simmons is the answer here. So everyone at home who's listening and wrote this down, let us know what you think. Let us know how you uh, would handle this draft and what your results are. That would be really fun to check out. So you can uh, tweet us at empty underscore frames. Thank you very much for listening. And we have one more episode left. See you guys in two weeks. It'll be a doozy. Tell me-